it's uh, you know it's it's to my benefit as well to have heard all of that. So I appreciate you um, you know kind of sharing it with me. I always kind of pictured it as like a light bulb went off in your head, but it really seemed like it was a more organic. Like you felt yourself pulled toward. You were a translator. You were you felt it pulling towards you, but you, it took a while before you're like, all right, I really need to fully commit commit to this and maybe was there like self-doubt that was kind of holding you back or um no that that was a, okay you know that that's a great question and eric you 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 really hit on the head of you know what some people call the imposters syndrome am yeah. i really that good and i i did have some of that it was like am i qualified to to teach and um uh and I, I guess I never doubted myself as, as a lower level teacher, but to, to kind of put myself on the map as an international presence was something that I, I said, hey, it's, I'm just a guy, right? But mm -hmm. um, one of the things that happened was, and you know, I developed my own approach to what, what for people who don't know martial arts, it's a thing called the guard, which is a move on the ground. But it's, it's something that I developed based on my training in a lot of different arts and um, it's pretty new and revolutionary. Um, so that got me a lot of uh, acclaim for that innovation. And I also, um, someone asked me, there are these things called Howcast, uh, it's a site where they asked me, they approached me, they said, would you do a video series on, um, on martial arts and MMA and, and submission fighting? And I said, sure. And, uh, and that got me a lot of, uh, notoriety and people were very, very, um, uh, they, they had very positive things to say about that video series that I put out there. So I guess that was a, a moment where I felt, Hey, yeah, I'm, you know, I fought, I did very well in my fights. I mean, I'm not the world's you know toughest guy, but with the bum leg from my car accident in Japan, and I still fought many times and, and came out pretty strong, even though giving up sometimes a lot of weight and age to my opponents, um, I said, hey, I know what I'm talking about. And so I didn't feel imposter syndrome as much, especially as the notoriety came because for the rack art system and also for the video system that I put out on the, on the internet. And I still, to this day, get people who come to Radical because they say, hey, we saw your video system. We saw your guard. We love it. And we'd love to train you. People, you know, you train a Radical. So, you know, people come from all over the world. Yeah. You know, we had guys visiting from Japan, from France, um, from... Uh, uh, where else? From Canada, um, many, you know, all all over the place, coming to visit to learn. And uh, one of the things there was a fighter from France, and his instructor is very, very famous ex UFC fighter, and he specifically told him, "When you go to New York, train with Rene." I, I, I had no idea that this person even knew who I was, but uh, <laughs> that to get that level of recognition was it was it was really wonderful. It was an honor. And as I said, I'm 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 certainly not the toughest guy in the world. I'm not the best fighter in the world, but I do take pride in what I do. And, um, and I try to be the best teacher and the best innovator I can. And it's, it's definitely wonderful to get um, the accolades and the appreciation from people in, in, your, in your world. You know, That's, it's a wonderful thing. But I will say this, it's getting a little long. Right. I did not want to open up an academy for a long time because I thought I would have to compromise my integrity and teach you know, uh, whole kind of stuff that doesn't work. And yeah. I saw that. So what it's, especially in New York, it's very hard to pay the rent 
if you teach legitimate martial arts because legitimate martial arts is hard. Eric, when you train our academy, I'm, you know how hard it is, right? Oh, yeah. I can attest to that. Yeah. And you also, okay. like, you made a joke before about how much I'm always like, that's wrong, fix it. That's wrong, fix it. And that's a hard thing to hear. So it's much easier to retain students if you don't actually teach them valuable skills and have um, a, a very rigorous approach to technical excellence. Uh, I approach um, our academy the way you would approach any field where this is the right way and you have to do this right. If you're a physician, you have to do it right. Well, we're the opposite. We don't heal, we hurt. <laughs> but, but it has to be in, involved in self-preservation. This is the way you protect yourself. This is the way you fight. This is the way, the right way to do it. And we're trying to strive for excellence. That is what martial arts is all about. Um, the words Kung Fu, we've all heard the words Kung Fu. But Eric, do you know what the word Kung Fu actually means if you translate it into English? I feel like I did once upon a time, but if I ever did, I forgot. So please enlighten me. No, don't worry about it. It's been a year since the Academy. This is one of those speeches I give in the Academy. I'm sure you heard it once. But the first character and the second character have nothing to do, neither of them have anything to do with martial arts. It doesn't mean martial arts. It means man who strives hard, strives valiantly and, and hard. Man who works mm -hmm. hard, strives hard. And it could also be strives hard towards skill, towards acquisition of skill. So it's, it says this is the man who strives strives valiantly towards true acquisition of skill. And that really is what martial arts is about. It's about testing yourself and striving in, 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 a, in, in, a, in a way that is extraordinarily demanding and, and sometimes frustrating and sometimes ego crushing. But from all those defeats, from all those failures, you rise and gain something um, uh, uh, indomitable in your spirit you gain some sort of you know you get a little bit of iron in your soul yeah. um, failures are absolutely imperative imperative element of success and that's true in life and it's true in martial arts but the easy path is always very seductive and so in the commercialization of martial arts most martial arts instructors teach most torch children they don't teach real martial arts. They teach Asian-inspired aerobics. And that's true, which is nothing wrong with that. It's not really martial arts. It's nothing to do with anything other than aerobic movement, which is not wrong, but that's not really martial arts anymore. It's not martial. Um, and the other thing is teaching adults in ways that lack integrity, meaning you're saying, hey, I teach self-defense, but what you actually teach will never, ever, ever functionally work. Or you're saying, hey, I'm going to you know, rank you at this level of skill, say black belt, but it's not anywhere really reflection of actual skill work. It's just a reflection of how much money you paid the instructor. <laughs> and yeah. it's good for the instructor's bottom line, but it's terrible for the martial arts. And um, so I saw that as endemic to the martial art world where people would sell out and create what we in the martial world call a McDojo. You know, like yeah. McDonald's. I'm familiar with the term. Right, right, right. And I know you're like Bullshito. Yeah, Bullshito. Right. Very exactly. And I said, you know, I need to I, I won't open up a school if it if it's has to be a McDojo in order to live. And yeah. there was a time before the UFC got big 
where you couldn't really do that. That if you wanted to open up a martial art academy, you really had to mostly focus on teaching chaff, teaching the chaff, not the wheat, you know, yeah. and uh, because the wheat is harder. So yeah. maybe some academies would have their top 1%, which would be here, and then the 99% would be over there, or sometimes it would be 100% of, you know, make-believe, whatever. Um, but that was that was the, 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 the kind of the way things were, and I said, I don't really want a part of that. I need to yeah. have it. I, you know, I learned under some amazing masters in Japan who are nothing but integrity and they never charged me, you know? Um, and, and one thing, one of my instructors said in Japan, he said, of course, Renee, when you go back to America, you you can teach, but teach correctly. And I, I understood that to mean a certain way and a certain level of integrity, not, he wasn't talking about just technique, you know? So yeah. I never thought of it as a martial arts as a vocation. I thought it of simply as an avocation of something that I enjoyed and that I would share with people, not something I would make my life uh, from, my livelihood from. However, with the explosion of mixed martial arts and an interest in real world combat, suddenly I was like, wow, hey, there are a lot of people out there who now recognize that this is real and this is a valuable path. And over here is not real. And maybe there's some value to that. That's fine. But not in the same way, not in the martial context, right? Just yeah. because it's martial doesn't mean it's bad. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, you know, don't misrepresent something with what it's not, you know? Yeah. Tai Chi is a wonderful discipline. Wonderful for, you know, making sure your heart rate is slow and this and that. And it's beautiful and it's artistic. But it's not going to save you in a self-defense encounter, right? Yeah. And it's the so reason there are no Tai Chi masters in the UFC. There are not. <laughs> so so, so that, that was that was the what I struggled with. It wasn't as much imposter syndrome, although, like I said, I had a little of that. But what it was was this like desire to do things correctly. And that has always been a struggle too, because there's there's always within the opening of radical, there were times where we could have compromised on something to help the academy grow but i refuse and and it's been a tough decision particularly in the beginning and one of those is for the listeners don't understand that there's elements of fighting grappling and striking and most people like striking more yeah picking. but actually knowing how to grapple as a foundation is more valuable now that doesn't mean that striking is better or grappling is better but you have a core where you grit your grappling, and on top of that, you build your striking. Has been proven to be the best way to develop a combat athlete or someone versed in personal self-preservation. Um, you're not going to try to outbox someone with a knife. You'll get cut yeah. out. You grab that knife and hold it, right? So you have to have a foundation in grappling. But most people want to strike first. But in our academy, as you know, you are forced to grapple first and understand that before you do the striking, which was something that we did, um, which even our investor had said, hey, you're going to lose a lot of students if you do that, or you're going to turn a lot of people away. But I said, this is the right way. And he's like, okay. And it was a, it's a tough decision. Um, and a, we lose probably 50% of our, uh, if not more, 50 to 60% of our prospects simply because of that. But mm. uh, it is the right way to do things. And, and the data has proved it out 
the modern MMA data, but also if you go back to the samurai era, the ancient Spartan era, or any any of these ancient cultures, that's the way that they built soldiers and warriors and combat athletes grappling first. And even even actually, in, in funny enough, in World War II, the combat training that people did in the line training and the, the, the combatives of World War II for American soldiers was jujitsu and, and, and judo techniques first, striking second. So kind of interesting. So anybody who's serious knows that's the way you're supposed to do it. But it does hurt the bottom line. So anyway, so that, that was a long way of saying that. I, I hope I answered the question. No, yeah, you absolutely did. I appreciate the uh, thoughtfulness and the level of detail there. I, it did definitely give me um, a lot of thoughts, um, you know, that I think uh, I, I can relate here. Um, I, I can certainly, when you say like, you know, you don't make it easy on people, I can attest to that because, you know, in this, in like striking glass, it's always, um, you know, keep your hands up, uh, fix your stance, stop shrugging your shoulders. And then when, every time when you get that feedback and then you fix it, it's like, oh, now you're shrugging your shoulders again. Stop doing that. Fix your stance again. So it's definitely not easy and requires a thin skin, I mean, thick skin, excuse me. And the alternative could be to stop chewing everybody out about that, knowing they would like it better, but that's not in their best interest. So you don't compromise on that integrity. And um, I, I do remember one thing. Uh, the first day I joined Radical or when I took my uh, trial class at the end, you were like, listen, I want you to commit to th at least three days a week. Otherwise, I'm going to, you know, I don't think this is right for you. I don't want to take your money because I don't think you're really going to get anything, the value out of this, unless you can make that commitment. You don't make any extra money per class. It's just a flat fee for the month. So um, that was part of the whole, um, you know, uh, doing business with integrity. It's like, I, I will take your money if I know I'm providing you the requisite value here, which was a big, uh, that was a big pull for me. I was like, okay, like I, I'm confident, um, you know, I'm not being fleeced here, which was great because there are so many McDojos. That's something people need to um, be concerned about. And, you know, your points, trend, uh, there's some general truisms about business in general, not necessarily just uh, particular to martial arts. You know, my career has been in um, sales, account executive for um, tech companies. And um, there's a lot of guys to hit their quota to make their commission checks will kind of just give in to customers, give them what they try to give them what they want, what they ask for when it's like, uh, you know, but real uh, sales guys, not only from an ethical perspective, but from a good business perspective, it's not always the right thing to do that. You have to, when you know something is not in the client's best interest, you need to kind of pump the brakes and if need be, sever a relationship with that client because if you're not going to set them up for success, A, that's wrong when you know better, and B, it's not a good long-term business. They're going to fail with your product or your solution. They're going to resent you for it, and they're going to tell people about it, and that's not good. So, Absolutely. You know, it's, it seems like your way of thinking is very much the Japanese way is that we want to develop a long-term relationship where your success move in tandem rather than I make a short-term goal and then you know, blow out of there, you know, very, very Japanese way of thinking that I respect that. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's been taught to me by people with a kind of ethical bent in, um, in the SaaS tech space. But um, it's also, you know, it, it's, it, it's cynical to think like your personal 
um, uh, outcomes and enrichment, you know, have to come at the expense of someone else. And to think that the world doesn't operate where people can harmoniously work together for a win-win um, kind of situation. But if you have a long-term thinking and commit yourself to doing the right things, the ethical things consistently, good things will arise from in other words, better business relationships, um, you know, better word of mouth and reputation that brings you more business and, um, you know, it's, and uh, while you're working in the best interest of the client. So, um, you know, your approach to it is, uh, you know, something I've learned about and I, I definitely felt I could relate to. Well, um, sure. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a saying that sometimes you don't want to give people what they want. You want to give them what they need. Because yeah. sometimes they don't really know what they want, particularly in the field of martial arts. Most people don't have the experience. So give them what they need, not what they think they want. I mean, sometimes, yeah. of course, we're the same, but very often they're not, you know. I, Steve Jobs has a famous quote. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he's like, I don't, it was something to the tune of, I don't ask the customer what they want. I tell them what they want. Now that gets, you know, reduced, <laughs> you know, but because the, the thing is. Well, I have the turtleneck too, so. Here we go. <laughs> you guys were, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a man after your heart. Um, but the thing is, I mean, he had to hear from the customer what it is they need, like a pain or a need they have. But the actual vision of what to solve that is what he and Apple really had to come up with. If people knew what that looked like, you know, what would they need Apple for? Right? That's what business is, is giving people what they can't conceive of for the problems they have. They tell you the problem, you make the solution. Boom. Harmony is achieved. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, uh, you know, if we have that in common with one of the business masters of the world, then we'll probably, maybe we're onto something. Well, you know, thank you for that anecdote. I, I was not familiar with that, but, uh, um, that, that's fascinating. There's another one uh, from Henry Ford. I don't know if he ever actually said this. Um, it's a bit murky, but he said, if I ask people what they wanted, they tell me a faster horse. So and um, kind of describes it. He's like, yeah, it's like, I know they want to get from point A to point B faster, but they have no conception of how that is done. So I have to do it. Now, I don't know, again, if that's right. actually true, but if it was, it's, it's uh, pretty spot on. No, no. Uh, and and uh, I think you're, you have two people. Sorry, my cat is. <laughs> my cat. My cat's the same. I did. She does just be ignored. <laughs> that's, what, that. that's what cats do. My mom's um, got one. I'm so, all about it. Um, I confess I'm a total cat person, um, <laughs> but um, um, no, you know, it's, it's important for leaders to have vision and, um, and when you set an organization to have that vision and say, and articulate it and say, this is our vision. This is how I'm going to implement what your needs are. So someone comes to me and says, I want to be able to feel safe um, late at night you know, walking down the street or home invasion scenario, whatever. I want to feel safe. I want to um, explore my own martial art, my, my inner warrior, whatever. Those are the things they'll say. Or I want to, you know, I'm a big fan of the UFC, whatever. But usually it's most common is I want to feel safe. I want to feel comfortable in my own skin. Now I say, here's the vision that we're going to do that. And this is how we're going to do it. And when I articulate that vision, it's it's there for either the, the 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 student to accept it or not. But I know that this vision that I've created has a lot of integrity and 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 effectiveness for sure. You know, and uh, mm -hmm. and so that's 
kind of, I think, very similar to what you're saying. He's someone, the, the, the person that comes with the need, but we articulate, we formulate how that need will be addressed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, two pieces uh, to that, the two halves of that, um, you know, whole, that make a whole martial artist. Um, that's kind of, you know, yeah, how that plays out. Um, all right, yeah, uh, so I'm kind of curious. Um, uh oh, is Kitty bothering you some more? <laughs> my mom's cat is the worst he always begs to go outside and run around in the hallways no idea why but um it's yeah i don't know i've given up trying to understand the behavior of cats um <laughs> uh i mean i guess i'm actually but glad you mentioned mistake my uh my my uh wallpaper screensaver for cat face i don't know if you're <laughs> no, I don't think I saw that. Um, uh, someone is on this, on this uh, the sort of uh, uh, internet, you know, Zoom thing, and he there was a filter that his son had put in, turned his face into a cat. But it was, <laughs> it was <so> <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, yeah, they do on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned COVID a second ago. I actually wanted to ask you about that. Obviously, things at the dojo have been upended because of COVID. We haven't been there in like nearly a year, um, but I know you've been doing like some online tutoring and um, you know virtual classes and stuff like that. Um, in the meantime, I'm kind of curious to hear how what that transition's been like. Yeah, you know, it it, it, it in a word, it's been difficult. Uh, mm. But um, what it was also a challenge, and in um, Chinese characters in the Chinese language, I believe it's Chinese. I know in Japanese too. Um, danger is made up of two characters. It is uh, crisis and opportunity. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting. So whenever you face a challenge, you also have to see it as a, as a positive learning opportunity. And this was. Um, so, you know, um, I had some ways of doing things, obviously in person, which had to be scrapped. But I said, how can I give value to my students in the virtual context? There's some things that we can't do. And to say that we could do them would be uh, false. Meaning, um, for example, part of fighting is your interaction with the other, with the opponent in terms of timing and reaction. Yeah. So he throws a boom, I catch it right there. One-on-one -on -one virtual, that is impossible to train. That's not, so you cannot train that, but. There's another side of the, 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 the coin, which is, well, first strategic thinking, which, you, you know, is part of the course we had, where we'd all go over fights and analyze them, see what the fighter did, what he did wrong, what he did right, and, and talk about situations where some of our students were competitors, they did something right, did something wrong, so we can all train strategically better. Um, and, and that we did that, a number of analysis of, for example, self-defense videos, where someone was assaulted, what decision could the victim have made that would be better? Or how could they have survived the assault better, uh, um, dealt with the person, or, or what did they do right? Not always necessarily wrong. And the other thing would be competitive combat martial arts as well, combat athletics. Um, fighters who did, showed really good strategic, <clears throat> strategic thinking. And so we did some of that. And the other side is um, what I call sharpening the samurai sword, where, okay, you're swinging and hitting the person, that's important. But if the blade is dull, 
you don't do anything. So a lot of the work we had was a one-on-one -on -one work of making your own body's movement as efficient and as uh, effective as possible in terms of biomechanics. Mm -hmm. So if I'm out of balance when I do a certain move, like <clears throat> for just an example, a punch, but my spine is out of alignment, I'm off balance, that punch won't have any power. So what do we do is really work on the form of that punch over and over again to make sure that every time we execute it, we're in perfect biomechanical efficiency. And then transitions between moves, particularly in the jiu-jitsu context, how to move. In, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu or in grappling in general, there's a, a certain vocabulary of motion. So it, whatever sport you play, you're going to do some type of movement that are again, biomechanically efficient, but then also are specific to that sport. For example, baseball, you reach your hand up and you catch a baseball. Now, if yeah. I caught a baseball, I honestly, <laughs> I don't know baseball, but I know they, <laughs> they put the glove like this and they catch and I'm sure there's some technique there. Now, if I put the glove over here and caught it this way, it's very likely that I would tear my rotator cuff. You know, like this, I catch this way, bring my hand too far back. Obviously, I don't play baseball. I'm kind of making an example here. But sure. there's a biomechanically efficient way to catch that ball. And the ball is part of baseball. There's no ball in martial arts. But there is an arm. There's a leg. There's your body. So how are you dealing with your opponent's body, but in a way that will maximize your effectiveness and minimize your chance of ever being out of balance or in a position where you could get severely injured? So that's a lot of what I did. So I actually went back to my curriculum took a lot of what I do for my fighters, my, my pro fighters. And I said, how can I do this and make a, a curriculum that we can deliver in an online format? And this I do only one-on-one -on -one because I want it to be very, very, very uh, uh, focused on the, on the individual's movement. And so then I'm doing these in keeping the student honest and focused on how effective and efficient his movement is, his individual movement, sharpening the samurai. So that when we go back to training, all he'll have to really focus on is the timing of how to deploy it, which is still mm. something that's very important. But sure. he'll have every other piece, every individual piece set. He'll know exactly what to deploy and in what manner to deploy. Just the timing of the deployment will be what we'll have to practice with the opponents. So that's that's that. And I, I feel we've gotten some good value. Um, I have some students who actually go from quite far away from another state. And um, one of them had um, been training for a long time um, uh, under another instructor. He's happened to be a friend of mine. Um, a long time from another state. And we were doing this program. And he, his instructor in that state, hadn't seen him for a long time when COVID decreased a little he was able to do a private lesson with that instructor the instructor commented on how much better he got and he's like wow this is tremendous and actually said that he would promote him a rank very soon so oh. even without the group classes just doing this fundamental understanding of your body he improved a tremendous amount and so this was a great opportunity for me to say how can i improve the radical curriculum and when i reopen so you'll you'll see this eric when we reopen the curriculum is going to be uh, taught in a very different way and I think an even more effective way to make you better faster. 
So uh, I, it was my opportunity. This crisis was my opportunity to to respond and evolve. And I'm hoping that uh, I did. And, and you're going to be see big changes in the academy. And and I hope in in ways that will uh, bear tremendous fruit for our students. That sounds that sounds awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I can another thing. I know we've like switched up techniques and stuff like that as you discover better ways to do them. And it always, um, you know, again, it helps to reassure that we are learning. Um, you know, always what's modern, what's uh, what we know to be more effective, rather than being uh, steeped just in tradition for the sake of doing so. But it also adds an element of fun to it because there's always new stuff out there, um, which is great. And so I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, a, a whole new experience when we get back. I mean, some of it will always be the same. It's still fighting and punching and choking and stuff, but um, there's going to be a new twist on it. And it's, uh, I, I mean, I think it's a very positive thing that you managed to take what is a worldwide crisis and make something, um, you know, uh, you know, improve something because of it. Rather, You know, it's, uh, I'm sure it's easy to let despair sit in, especially um, when your business is so impacted. But um, clearly yeah. that hasn't happened. No, you know, I have to be honest. For the first couple months of COVID, it was, it was a big blow, you know. And I discovered sure. something about them. You know, like inner, you know, we were talking about imposter syndrome and things like that. But we all carry some of these inner, like, insecurities or daddy mommy issues kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to feel... Um, that, you know, that I kind of made my parents proud. And my mother is not really the happiest that I'm not a, you know, that I abandoned my PhD and, you know, then I, you know, I'm not a translator more. And I, you know, she wanted me to be more, you know, white collar and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, traditional. So, yeah, so she's not super happy about that. And so, you know, I'm kind of these things and I'm rushing, you know, when I was running radical, I think I unconsciously had that burden on me that, you know, I have to make this success and I have to, you know, kind of prove that this was a worthy goal that I opened the academy. And, you know, it's carrying some things on my shoulders that I think added to the stress of all entrepreneurs. But, you know, it's sort of like internal things that, you know, make your family, your parents proud type stuff. But, you know, that's really uh, stuff that they kind of put on you. And, and it's not my load to carry. And mm. when collapse there's a few weeks where i was like Ugh, like oh my god <laughs> all this work and, and and then of course um the issue of paying rent while you're still not allowed to access the space that we're in you know that that was serious i'm like wow i'm gonna rack up hundreds of thousands of dollars with no income whatsoever so uh, and for people who don't know Full contact martial arts is banned in New York City, so you're not allowed to use the space. Obviously, we had a lockdown, but it's still in this case, even though the lockdown is less, full contact martial arts is still banned because obviously, you know, we're dealing with a communicable disease and wrestling with people one millimeter away is probably a very good way to transmit it. I, I, I think the health authorities would agree. Yeah, right. And so that's why Governor Cuomo says you, you actually cannot do full kind of martial arts. But that's really impacted, I think, along with the restaurant industry, probably the, the, the full contact martial art industry is probably the worst affected because we, we actually are full contact. We're right there in each other's faces. Sure. And there's wedding and you know, grappling and all this kind of thing. So 
not to diminish the 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 seriousness of the situation uh we we are in a very serious pandemic but at the same time i was like oh my god my business is doomed you know i'm dead so the first few weeks i uh i was uh, i was i was you know very depressed i was very depressed and i can't say really i blame hard. you i'm sorry i said i can't say i blame you yeah and to see all your hard work for years kind of just go down the drain it, it, it was a very hard road. And, and so, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I took solace in delicious food. And there was like three weeks of just like, you know, hiding under the covers for a second, you know, and it was, it was just a, a disaster. And then I, I came out, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And my wife kicked me in the butt a little bit and said, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, okay, okay, you're right. Let's let's make a plan. Let's let's do this. And then also, I start understanding that you know, the success of the academy is is always going to be there. Oh, I trust myself and my ability to rebuild. And all I have to do is make sure that you know relationships with our landlord or something somehow legally worked out. But um, um, which we did, which was great. And the landlord is absolutely really we're very lucky that he's wonderful to be dealing with us in a way that we can kind of like continue to 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 function um so very very grateful to them but so once the regulations are are, are repealed will we will be able to reopen but i had to believe my own confidence to deal with the situation and like i said part of that was um creating these kind of like alternative curriculums online and the other thing was also understanding that um this it was almost a blessing COVID. It was almost a blessing because, um, as I said, I was carrying some weight and some ideas about, you know, how I, the academy had to be a success and this and that. And I was burning both ends of the candle, working very, very hard. You know, I, I get there early in the morning and I wouldn't leave sometimes till midnight. You know, typical like startup hours, which is which is of course part of a startup. But on the sixth year, you should not be doing startup hours. You know, and yeah. I was giving. Uh, uh, seven days a week, everything, no time for myself and no time for my own martial journey. You know, again, I'm a martial artist. I love martial arts. I love training. What I did was I segued to being a teacher. Part of that was also I had some injuries, um, mm. which kind of I had to take care of. Um, but the other thing was also I, I dedicated myself 100% to my students. And that is not healthy. I would dedicate myself to my students tremendously. But at the same time, self-care was something that that really say, hey, um, th- you got to make time for self-care. You got to make time for my own martial journey and time for my, my family and, and, and of course, my, my wife, my, my extended family, my, my quality time with friends and loved ones um, and live a balanced life. And um, so COVID, where everything stopped, made me understand, hey, I was unbalanced here. So um, what I have to do is always see that running the academy is very important and the success of the academy is very important, but also the quality of my life, my own martial journey, my own bliss, my own time with quality time with loved ones or just with myself and reading things like that, doing things I enjoy is also very, very important to live a, a truly balanced life. And, um, 
And I read this really good book. It was called The E-Myth and the Entrepreneur Myth. And I'm sure you're familiar with it. You know, it's sort of like the pitfalls of opening up your own business. And, you know, I hadn't flipped through. I, I read it, you know, before I opened the academy. It's like, yeah, you know, you're going to be so wrapped up in parts of the job that you hate that you might even come to hate your job. You know, like, for example, I love martial arts, but I hate paperwork, right? But guess what? 80% of your job is going to be paperwork. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have to understand that 20% is teaching, but 80% is making sure the, you know, the lights get paid, turned on, stay on. And also, you know, things like, oh, that water leak ruined our mats or, you know, was clean or, um, oh, the HVAC system broke down and now you have to have that repair. There's so many things you have to work with, nothing to do with martial arts. And they really take it out of you. And you have to have time to replenish that that moment, those things that have been taken away through self-care. And I was not doing that. I was I was I was really um redlining. So it took me years to it took the COVID to realize that. And and so now I'm refreshed coming back once you're open of course i'm still going to be very committed to all my students but at the same time create structures where i i don't redline and also see um my own martial journey as part of the journey of the entire academy and that's really important um and part of that was during covid i've had two surgeries to fix the injuries that i had the actual most of the injuries the serious injury i had was not from martial arts those people injuries like you know i had a very serious car accident in japan years ago and it's mm -hmm. over time, it's come to really bother me. So, um, so, but I had, I had some work done and because obviously the academy's closed and it looks like it's going to really help heal up my body. I had some other things taken care of. And so I'm using this time to also max out my medical coverage and, <laughs> and fix my body and, uh, and heal. So it's great. So I, I will try to use the time very wisely in self reflection in reflecting on the uh, on the, the what what the product I could offer and how I can improve it, and then also trying to understand what a balanced life will look like that will be joyful for myself, my family, my wife, and and everybody in my in my circle, my students, everyone. You know, so that's kind yeah. of like the COVID experience in a nutshell. Gotcha. And I think there's a lot of um, great points to unpack there. I mean, work-life balance is definitely something I think all entrepreneurs struggle with. Um, you know, it become uh, the, the, the lines really become blurred. And the thing is, uh, you know, what you point out is uh, devoting yourself 100 um, percent to something like that. It isn't in your best interest as a person or even in that of your business, because the mental burnout can fatigue you and um, and decrease the quality of what you offer. So for your own sake, as well as for the sake of your business, sometimes it's very important to step away, like whatever need there is that needs to get done. Sometimes it can wait for a little while while you, you know, kind of level out and, um, you know, get, make sure your mind and body are okay. But also like in the midst of disaster, which COVID or not, there's always going to be some, I'm sure as a, you know, you're basically a part-time firefighter as an entrepreneur. There are, uh, you know, some important takeaways in what you said. One is that, you know, validate your feelings and kind of let them out. If for a little while you got to eat a tub of ice cream every now and then, or, you know, sleep until noon then do it. All right. Get it out until it's like, it, it doesn't feel uh, until you can feel like you can move on. But then, you know, you got to move on, make a plan, be productive. And lastly, you know, find the opportunity in the crisis. A lot of the greatest entrepreneurs, since we're, they're all faced with crisis, will find opportunity in it. It's there. And if you find it, that's how you overcome and succeed, um, which is that's what I took away from what you just told me. So.
yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. I mean, I guess with that having been said, I really just have one more question for you. Um, do you have any like parting words of advice for entrepreneurs, be they in the martial arts space or just in general? Yeah, no, um, that's a, that's a, that's a great thing. Now, I would say that this entrepreneurial journey was a wonderful life experience in so many ways. Uh, I am. Uh, and what's the word I'm looking at? So almost genetically predisposed to not liking having a boss. So mm. <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, I like, I love being my own boss. I love uh, being the captain of my own ship and being able to run the, uh, the, the, the product and, and the, ad, the, the, the relationship I have with my students, everything in the way I see fit and, and to contribute to the world in, in the way that I have. And I, one of the, the things that I'm most proud of, and we have, you know, you know, we have tons of champions, pro, amateur, whatever, right? World champions. But right now, 22, 22 students of Radical since we opened were involved in serious life, possibly life-threatening self-defense scenarios. And in all 22 cases, our students were able to defend themselves fully and take control of the situation or in one case, uh, escape. And uh, very, very small student, extraordinary small, actually been victim of a sexual assault before. And she was able to, with a very small amount of training, uh, defend herself and stop a sexual assault from happening. And she had only training a very short time with us. So I was oh, extraordinarily wow. proud of her. And also very, 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 very petite, petite woman, you know, not a, not a person who was, uh, you know, combative in any way, but also yeah. other students who had his job, uh, uh, one of his uh, coworkers just put out, took an exo knife and tried to slash his face. So, oh, you know, yeah. And he uh, was able to completely take control, do a Kimura, you know, what a Kimura, Kimura, yeah. grip on it, take control of the weapon and, uh, protect himself and i said it's you know these these 20 or so people who have had situations which could have gone really really bad and you know but with training with us they were able to handle that situation that's the thing i'm most proud of you know and yeah. um, had this positive impact on people in in, in real life-saving way right and uh and um so that, that's great. And also just the people come in and, and just blossom like yourself. They come in and blossom in our academy and become the best versions of themselves. And it's just, it's just wonderful to see. So you have this vision if you're an entrepreneur, whether it's for the best cupcakes in the world or the, the best martial arts or whatever it is, that vision is, is something very valuable and, and understand that that can be a great contribution to other people and, and compromising on that vision is um is something that I, I i refuse to do that being said adaptability to the circumstances of the moment like you said the crisis the hvac okay we're in this maybe covid will force us to move it looks like it's not but i was very seriously thinking oh covid might force us to move and reorganize in a different place and force changes in the force this force that oh working with this um so adaptability is key to implement that larger vision. And, um, 
And so that's it. But the, 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 the kind of wonderful aspect you feel by making your vision come to life without having to, you know, um, make changes that a boss or an editor or whoever, you know, I, when I was a translator, I used to, I used to hate this. You know, I do this great translation job. Like I would like, man, take so much pride in it. And then my editor would be like, no, change this, change this, change this. And I'm like, dude, I speak Japanese better than you. You don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. This is this. But he was my boss. So I'm like, yeah, you just ruined my work. And 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 so it's it's just such a frustrating feeling when you know you've done something of such quality to see it diminished. And uh when, when it's the opposite, when you're able to bring that vision to fruition exactly the way you envision it, just wonderful. It's just yeah. absolutely wonderful. I mean, there's definitely a certain um, profound satisfaction in being able to follow your passions, um, you know, in the way you see fit. Um, and if you, you know, if, if you're not the type to uh, stomach a boss telling you what to compromise on, you're going to be miserable unless you strike yeah. out on your so. That's me. <laughs> but, you know, well, adaptability and also, like, you know, we touched upon that um, that you kind of have to make a long-term vision of your, of, of your sustainable growth and sustainable in terms of, you know, not burning out, not, not going so, so hard that you just whittle yourself to the bone. And yeah. so, it's funny, I was watching uh, – that TV show Queer Eye, and I just had this moment, you know that, and it, it's like it's like a really really cool show. It's like he's like, hey, self care is super important. I'm watching the show, I'm like, I needed to hear this thing right now. Yeah, timing. Yeah, yeah, perfect timing, and um, and um, and and so uh, you know, adaptability, balance. Um, very important, uh, and 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 I, I would I would say that, and it's funny, but like I said, that ebook, e myth, the book that I said, it was like page eighty eight. Hey, don't burn out, you know. <laughs> yeah, wide balance, you know, like it goes back to that that knowledge of like running your own ship. There's a lot of baggage you take on in terms of like, oh, am I going to make my family proud or this or that? And remember, that's not your baggage to carry, you know. Mm. Um, you know, and, and uh, at least that's my personal, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's right there. Very well said right at the end. You're going to, uh, you know, feel the weight of that baggage, but you got to remind yourself it's not yours to carry. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Renee, thank you so much. I really, it was great speaking to you again. It's been a while. So just in general, great reconnecting. Um, I'm really excited to get back to Radical when it opens. This uh, vaccine cannot come soon enough. And um, again, thank you so much for your time and for, um, you know, sharing your journey and perspective with me. Really appreciate it. Eric, it was uh, wonderful. Dave, the questions you asked were just uh, made the conversation so uh, organic, grow organically, and 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 I think we we touched on some points that were very personal, but also I think help, could help people. And thank you for the opportunity to 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 be here. Yeah, it's uh, I'm starting to get good at this this that this sort of thing. You found your path, your vision. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Podcast highlights, highlighted portions about Renee's journey through mixed martial arts entrepreneurship. Link to transcript at the bottom. 
0.26 How Rene Deals with Imposter Syndrome and Self-Doubt 5.09 The Definition of Kung Fu 15.07 The Japanese Way of Thinking and Emphasis on Long-Term Success 18.36 The Importance of Vision 21.20 The Challenge of COVID 32.20 Coping During Incredibly Challenging Times 39.37 Parting Words of Advice for Entrepreneurs